0: August 6, 2019 and you are back inside of the locker room studios and tuned in to HTM Sports here at HittingTheMarks.com the Hitting the Marks podcast network. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend the real RBB Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me it's that art of the beat of the day. Rick Vickery
1: back again. Hashtag HTM Sports here in northern Ohio While I'm getting the rain but on today's show, we're talking about getting paid and some of the big contracts that uh, we're starting to see some developments on around the world of professional sports.
0: Yeah, we've got Tom Brayton getting paid. We got Michael Thomas getting paid. We got somebody who got paid is evidently not ready to go. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about today. And of course, your AFC and NFC North previews. Looking forward to this one as Huckleberry's favorite teams and my favorite teams are all involved in this week. But Huckleberry, I guess the place to start off is with a happy birthday to Tom Brady. Tom Brady turned 42 this past Saturday, and the New England Patriots rewarded him with a big, fat check. Two-year contract extension worth $70 million. This makes him now the sixth highest quarterback in the league going into this season. Rick, we've talked for years, literally years, about how Tom Brady is always taking pay cuts, you know. And yeah, he'll take 17, 18. All of a sudden, Tom Brady's going to be making a whole lot more money than that. And by the time this thing is done, he's going to be making $30 million. They, they they always said that, you know, the reason that Tom's taking these pay cuts is because the Patriots are going to take care of him on the back end. Is this the back end? Well, I'm, I'm going to say, first off, I mean, how, how much better could life be? I, you've got the rings, the
1: accolades, highly regarded as, as the GOAT, beautiful family, a, incredibly attractive, supermodel wife. Yeah, you're you got everything in the world, and now you're getting on top of that, you're getting. You know, what your, your biggest payday of your career, you're getting all of that promise to you. Hey, if you'll play ball with us, if you'll work with inside the cap, we promise that we're going to take care of you. But as you said there, Mr. Jargo, that was always along with you had kind of a, that little asterisk there on the back end. So it begs the question now, is this the back end at 42? You're looking at a couple more years here. Can he push 45? or are they planning an out somewhere in here? And what does this really mean for the structure that we've seen within the Patriots of how they've been able to sustain this greatness and built this franchise is that, you know, not really overpaying anybody. And especially in that quarterback position, when we see that it's such the coveted spot where so many teams go out there kind of blow their loads on overpaying these quarterbacks. And it just kind of dooms the rest of the team and any potential for success in the season.
0: I, you know, I think that's absolutely a viable concern but like we talked about last week here on the show, the AFC East is awful. Even paying Brady what they're paying him, they're still not paying him as much as I think he probably should be getting paid. The, the sixth highest paid quarterback in the league, doesn't that seem low to for Brady? I have a feeling, I actually went and looked at some of the contracts and
1: where they are actually sitting at, as uh, we talked about a multitude of ways that the patrons have been able to manipulate this system if it's either you know just relying so heavily on those rookie contracts with just maybe a handful of you know maybe those that are in their prime that are getting those max guarantees right now they've really cut a lot of that top end they're working they're working under a lot of these low-end deals but they want out that they've been able to accumulate so much of that talent that they've got the highest quality at you know, Dan here, every position and those people fit perfectly into their puzzle. And that's always been, you know, what's made the, the Patriots success. You know, when you sit back and look at it, it, it just seems so magnificent. It's how they put together this puzzle. I think right now they, they knew this was coming. They knew at some time you're going to have to put Brady up there amongst the top eight quarterbacks. And I got a feeling there was probably talk, you know, and they know that he should be up there at, you know, one or two or three, but he probably, and this is, it's, it's, Incredible as it sounds, he probably took a pay cut here to go to the sixth spot. Yeah, absolutely. Just to make sure, just to make sure that they could lock in some of those lower end deals. They're still going to have tremendous talent around them, as we have mentioned last week. We, we kind of hit it at it here on uh, hashtag HTM Sports, but we talked about it on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. The rest of that division is so bad. Do they? Do they need to be at the same caliber? I mean, because they can coast through that, coast through the east get to the playoffs and then hopefully at that time you're groomed yourself you got everybody in the right position you figure out what the key elements are what everyone's role is they're going to play and that's going to equal success for you in into the playoffs.
0: I think the biggest thing here is Gronk and the fact that Gronk has retired, they basically just gave Brady Gronk's money. Like, nothing inside of the Patriots organization has changed other than Gronk isn't there, so Brady's going to get paid more. That's really what it comes down to, the way I'm looking at this thing. Well, it, and you drop out, and that's a, that's a tremendous point that you're mentioning
1: here, Jargo. You, you lose Gronk, but and obviously the star power and the notoriety and what the presence he brought to the team, they're going to miss that. But
0: actually from on the field, I mean, for the last couple of years, he was regularly absent due to injury. Yeah, the the most the important thing that Gronk had really become there towards the end of his career is a fantastic blocker. I yeah, he was always that deep threat down the field, but Brady, he likes to throw those little fifteen-yard slants anyway. It's not like he necessarily needs a deep threat at the age of forty-two. Let's just take all the money we were paying Gronk. We'll we'll go out. We'll get a rookie tight end. We'll pay him, you know, four hundred thousand dollars instead of the sixteen million we were paying Gronk. We'll just give all that money to Tom. That's all it is. Well, and it goes back. Well, it goes back too. You know, and they
1: they stockpile these draft picks every year. They know who they've got waiting, you know, waiting in the wings to take those positions. Uh, it's just again, it's a, a masterful game plan that they put in. They put in the practice each and every year, and until we until we see it falter, uh, we cannot knock it. Yeah, and we can't really question or doubt what they are going to do right now because time and time again, you know, it's well, you know, they're they're letting go of so and so and bringing in a no a no one at replacement. The only steady was Brady, and that's still you know the basic concept that we're playing with here.
0: Yep, absolutely. Hell, they still got running backs on rookie deals. I, it's Now is the time to pay Tom Brady. Uh, as far as the playing until 45, that's when a lot of these rookie contracts are going to end. I, I, I just, I don't see any reason why Tom Brady would want to walk away, even at 45. I As I'm looking at the league throughout the next couple of years, the Patriots are still going to be relevant for the next two to three years.
1: You know, but we're looking, if you're Tom Brady and you're really trying to assess the situation, I I don't think that we should even be concentrating on that. I think right now it's a focus from year to year with Tom. I think so, too. Even week to week.
0: uh,
1: Of course. You know, because anything can happen in this game, you know, and it it gets so much heat for being so watered down from, you know, from what we remember even a decade ago. But those rules are there for protection because it's still, and it's probably more violent than it's ever been. Yep, and any, you know, a little black-sided hit, you know, just somebody, you know, uh, even one of your, your own linemen or uh, one of your own carriers get pushed into your knee. You never know when this could, this ride could end for you. I don't think you think too far out of that. And you look at the success from year to year. And as an individual, you just
0: make that, you make that personal choice. Okay, this is it for me. This is, this is time. How smart do they look now moving off of Garoppolo so they don't have to pay Garoppolo, too? Again, you know, this is part of the formula. How many times have we seen this before?
1: Yeah. And and we've yet to see success, you know, from that latest move that they've made. But before that, how many of the quarterbacks have they parted ways with and have gone and have not been able to
0: succeed in other systems? Yeah. Way too many. Let's talk about another guy got paid this past week. That his name is Michael Thomas, plays for the New Orleans Saints, wide receiver. Five years, hundred million dollars, sixty-one million guaranteed. Rick, when we look at that list of the the quarterbacks and Tom Brady is six, he's actually tied with Drew Brees. Drew Brees right there with Tom Brady as far as the sixth highest paid quarterback inside of the league. I, I can't blame New Orleans here. I, I, I'm i not all about paying $100 million for a wide receiver. But when you've only got Drew Brees for another two, three seasons, you, you pay $100 million for a wide receiver.
1: Well, you look at this team and they were able to keep so much of this core together and you and you want to rely on that high powered offense that the Saints, have, you know, become to be known for and are revered for around the league here. And let's so honestly, you know, look at what happened here. They were one of the most horrendous calls away from Super Bowl and they want to show that fan base and they want to show the league that they're willing to do everything to correct that wrong and get back to where they should be. And that is at the super bowl.
0: Yeah. I think personally, I'm thinking the saints are going to take a big step back this year. I don't think they're over that loss to the Rams the The way that everything has went down this offseason. Drew Brees is still talking about it down there at camp. The city of New Orleans is still mad about it. I feel like this cloud is going to hang over New Orleans at least this season, if not this season and next. Uh, again, you know,
1: just kind of what we were talking about though in in the East when we go down to the NFC South. Obviously, yes. I mean, they're they're going to use this as as a chip on their shoulder. They still have a bad taste in their mouth. I don't think it's going to take away from any of their potential success, but I also wanted as we were just talking about the East, let's look how they stack up in the rest of that division. I mean, it's a little bit better than the East, but it isn't that significantly better that, that the Saints would be in trouble.
0: I think it's one of those questions of how high are you on Cam Newton? And I am not. I don't believe you are either, but there's still a lot of people that are very, very high on Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers to me, the team I'm watching down there is Atlanta. Well,
1: again, you know, I think out of those three, you're going to have somebody in that contention, but the other two, there's always one of the three that will merge there, and then the other two kind of fall off. I don't really have any faith in, in Tampa. No, not I'm at not this a big point. Cam guy. I'm, not, I'm not a big cam guy. I mean, obviously, he's one of those individuals, as we talk about professional wrestling, like a Kenny Kenny, I mean, you look at a resume, all the tools, but something just doesn't click there. I mean, you'll get a, a week or two where he's just incredible. You're back to Superman. And then it's like, okay, well, I mean, how is this guy still in the league at times? But, and they've done a little bit to you know, give him some tools around him down there, but I don't think it's still enough. And Atlanta, I, it just, it's such a roller coaster every year up and down with them. Obviously, I mean, wouldn't be completely shocked if they make a run at this thing. But as we're sitting here in early August, I just don't see if we're getting ready, you know, as the preseason's getting ready to kick off, I don't think that they have the power to to sustain that through an entire season. I think, again, this is the Saints for the taking.
0: I think the big losers in the Michael Thomas deal are the Dallas Cowboys because, obviously, Amari Cooper is going to get paid at the end of the season and he's going to want Michael Thomas money. Ezekiel Elliott, we know he wants Todd Gurley money. Dak Prescott, we know he wants Carson Wentz money. Rick, right now the salary cap is $188.2 million a year, if you sign all three of these guys to the kind of money that they're wanting, that's seventy-five million dollars.
1: Yeah, that doesn't leave you a whole lot of room in the cupboard to, for you know to fill out the rest of your team. You're pretty much building on your three amigos there. And now we're getting word, uh, ESPN breaking this afternoon, that it's it's a hard stance. He's on the line in the sand that Zeke is he is. Said if he does not get a new deal, he will not play for Dallas this season.
0: Zeke's holdout now hitting day 12. It's starting to remind me of Emmett Smith in 1993. For anybody who doesn't remember, Emmett was coming off of two rushing titles going into a contract year, and he held out, and he held out into the regular season. The Cowboys started 0 2 before they finally got Emmett back in the mix. They lost that next game. Oh, yeah, but they went on to win the Super Bowl because Emmett Smith was so important for Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and the way that that entire system worked. And, Rick, it's going to be the same way here because I keep hearing this conversation about how, oh, well, you know, we can just plug somebody else in there. And for the most part, I agree that Dallas offensive line is what makes the running game go round. But what they did is they went and they brought in Alfred Morris. They didn't bring in a fast scat back. They brought in a great big old hoss. And I just I don't see how this is going to work. Because what's going to happen is the coverage is going to fall back. They're not going to put eight guys in the box to stop Alfred Morris. Dak's going to have to work a hell of a lot harder. And I'm telling you, if it comes down to... Dak versus a nickel coverage, I'm taking the nickel coverage every time.
1: Well, again, you know, I think it's a little bit of an illusion when you bring it out from worse sky, You know, they've got some other people in that roster that I hope are going to be able to fill in and they're going to go by, certainly by committee and try to hit you with a bunch of different sets and looks coming out of that backfield. I don't think any of them are the caliber that we've seen with, you know, Dallas's backfield, you know, here in, in recent years, but I'm certainly, I, I'm not going to get on board with absolutely comparing the importance comparing the importance of of a running back back in the 90s to what we're seeing in 19
0: No, but the the principles of the defense are still the same. Rather than loading the box, they're just going to drop a bunch of DBs back there. And I don't care. Dak Prescott is not that good. Dak Prescott is not Tom Brady. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be able to sit back there and figure out these coverages. He's just not that good of a quarterback. He's great as long as you've got three wide receivers going up against four DBs. But as soon as you load it up to five or six, I, I I don't trust Dak.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's going to be very interesting for me, and I'm more interested, you know, what not even how they're going to handle themselves on the field. I'm looking for these these two egos, these
0: two sides, you know, taking on Jerry Jones versus Dak. Jerry Jones took on Emmett Smith. You think he's worried about fucking well, Dak or or Zeke or even Amari?
1: I, that's what I'm saying with Zeke. I mean, you know, with his with his representation how far will he let this thing play out will he let it ride and, and will we see a situation where he doesn't even suit up this year you know who will break somewhere along this way I mean, you're talking when you're talking about Jerry Jones you're talking about you know one of the most outlandish hard-headed individuals that has ever represented the NFL or the game of football
0: well and i think the bigger story here is that cba is getting ready to come up again be prepared for a year without football because one of the big things that's going to be a sticking point for this is going to be how these running backs are getting treated you know the idea was that we wouldn't pay the rookies as much so you could transfer the wealth on to the senior players but what's is actually happening is the quarterbacks are getting paid, the senior players are getting cut, and we'll just franchise tag you so we can run you into the ground for seven years and then move off of you. That's what's happening with a lot of these running backs in particular.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be, that's going to be you want to talk about a Royal Rumble uh, no holds bar. Next time the bargain agreement, when they go to the table, it is going to be an absolute mess, and do not be surprised if we lose some football uh, because right now you're going to have so many of the representatives, you know, from the union
0: here, they're going to realize that they kind of, you know, they took it on the back end. Yeah, they when, absolutely hurt, hurt themselves. The players absolutely hurt themselves in the negotiating of that CBA last time and the way that they laid out these salary cap rules. And I believe that was in 2009 is when this was signed. When is the next one? Um, you know? I want to say 2021. Like okay, it's real. So it's close. right around the
1: corner. I mean I mean they're they're we have serious talks already starting, but they are going to really begin to heat up here. We'll start hearing them in the news. I'd say during this season they're going to become stories.
0: Another uh, player who got paid over the off season was Antonio Brown and now he's only showed up for like what? Two, maybe three practices and left early every day. Rick, we saw pictures of Antonio Brown's feet yesterday. What the hell is going on with Antonio Brown's feet and how did the Raiders not know this when they paid him big money? Yeah, I mean everybody
1: it was I mean it was kind of a jaw dropper, you know, at, Definitely the talk of the, the football world when they took that deal, you know, seemingly taking that, that huge risk, if you will, and now it's even looking like you know, they might have got swindled on this thing. Or it could be something that, you know, it's been, that it's just developed here, or we don't know the complete medicals of it, something that could be an easy solution where this is a case of a veteran. You have a slight problem, so you're going to take it really easy during camp. You don't want to do a lot during the preseason. That's probably another thing that we're going to see come up. Is a lot of preseason talk during this next bargaining agreement. That was such a hot-button topic during the last one. They're going to want to revisit that. So this could just be a vet who's been through the camps, who's been through this routine. They're going to milk whatever they can to keep him just on that sideline.
0: Well, really, the only reason I put Antonio Brown's feet on the show was to have a nice segue to the NFC North preview, um, NFC-AFC North preview, we're gonna start in the AFC, and this is really this is pretty cut and dry, right? This is gonna be Baker versus Big Ben in 2019.
1: I believe so. As we, I guess we can we can start with the other ones here. Uh, if you look at most of all the projections, Cincinnati only projected around three or four wins. A complete. You know, they, they've been in a rebuilding phase here for a while, but now we're just, we're starting over almost completely with the new regime and the coaching and philosophies and management. And hopefully they're going to be able to get back on track. I I actually looking at, looking at their schedule, if everything would go their way, if they could catch some fire, get some luck, I I think they could get five wins. I don't think that's going to be enough to get them out of the cellar in, in the AFC North. Uh, Then you have Baltimore completely decimated their offense I don't have a whole lot of faith in Jackson on the other side on the offense. I know that he, you know they've been saying he's put on seven to ten, ten pounds of pure muscle, the great arm strength, the speed. It's just that style. It seems it, it's it's that one trick, Tony. Once you show us, you know, once you show us how the trick is done, the others are going to be able to catch up with you. They're going to be the other magicians are going to be able to duplicate your act, and, and that's what's going to happen here. And then on top of that, you see that. ESPN just rated their wide receiver core in Baltimore as the
0: worst in the league. That seems legit. It's not too promising for a young quarterback, though. Yeah, but he's a young quarterback who he, he reminds me more of Michael Vick than he does of Tom Brady. Like he is uh, one of these kids that he's going to go back there. It's going to be a five-step drop. Oh, op- nobody's open. I'm going to take off and run, and I, it's not going to work. Well, he really reminds me of, without the hype, actually,
1: when they figured him out. And then Baltimore actually has him on contract. He's down with an injury right now. It's RG3.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that that's where he signed. Yeah, he, he's he been there. So that was kind of if, if if they needed someone to maybe fit into that
1: concept, he's actually down with an injury. They're bringing in some other quarterbacks to work out to potentially be you know in one of those backup roles. Uh, but like I said, man, they decimated that defense. It's just, they're going into a rebuilding year themselves. I think they're going to be able to just squeeze by the Bengals here in this division, but I don't think they're going to make any serious noise. So, of course, Jargo, that comes down to the question you presented. I, this is a, a two-pony race, and you know, riding those ponies are the two quarterbacks right now. You've got one in, in Big Ben, who surely, with everything that has happened over you know, the course of the last season, the departures in Pittsburgh, this is his show now. It's all you know. The spotlight is on him, and of course, Tomlin, you know the coach. Are they going to be able? Are they going to be able to keep the course here and keep Pittsburgh in the driver's seat this division? Then you got the hot commodity on the other side. You got Baker leading the Browns, who have gone out and signed superstars. They've loaded up on offense that played such tough defense last year. Hard nosed blue collar city that is behind this team. Uh, You got Baker out there. He's at Indian Games biting beer cans in half. Up on the jumbo trying to get the city bumped up to get them excited for you know for the Indians going to the playoffs. So the Browns potential. I mean this city is they're ready to go. This team is ready to go. The question is, I mean, is it going to be the old school, the tradition, those that have been there, or can these young, these young kids in Cleveland come together and and take this crowd?
0: Baker Mayfield biting a beer can and shotgunning it at the Indians game the other night. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous ridiculous just absolutely absurd and then i thought about it for a little while and i thought that is the most goddamn cleveland thing i think i've ever seen in my life
1: oh people are up here loving it they've already got the shotgun t-shirts with the sixes the g there oh my god yeah the people love it i mean it it fits in perfectly You, you look at what he's got going on you know with the mustache that he's rocking and he and he's and biting the beer cans. I mean, that screams though, the blue collar individuals that represent Northern Ohio. You know, if he, if he like a big Ben would grab a mustache like that, that's just like some, you know, homosexual Pittsburgh steelworker. But here it's acceptable. Yes. You know, now you're, now you're the, the son of the earth, you know, you're a good old Midwestern blue collar guy with that look and that attitude. And he's, he's putting it out there, it's being embraced. They love him. The fans are excited. I think it's going to be a dogfight for this thing. But when it comes down to it, I've this feeling because you know having been there and done that means so much. And they know how to fight through adversity. They will overcome. I think Pittsburgh steals steals this division by a game or two. I think the Browns make the playoffs, but don't win the division.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I have Pittsburgh with ten wins. I have Cleveland with nine. I think that Pittsburgh is going to really come together and be like You all thought that the Le'Veon Bell thing and the Antonio Brown thing was going to hurt us? Uh Uh-uh, we're focused now. We don't have to pay attention to all this noise and all this bullshit and the media scrutiny and what's going on. Big Ben, by all accounts, looks great in camp. I've seen some pictures coming out of Steelers camp. He looks like he's having an absolute ball. He canceled that radio show. I'm I'm telling you, man, and I was saying this last year, I think Big Ben is going to come out with something to prove this year, and that doesn't vote well for the rest of the AFC North.
1: Now, I, I do disagree a little bit with you there. I think Pittsburgh will be up there at 12 or 11, and, and Cleveland will get 10 wins out of it.
0: I don't think Cleveland's going to be that good. I know. They're, they're a real sexy team. But when you really get down to the meat and potatoes of that team, the offensive line, the defensive line, I just I don't think that they got any better. And those were the issues. They,
1: they, have, a, they have a serious chance of getting five wins just within the division.
0: Well, yeah, there
1: I mean, is that. You sweep the bottom ones and you split with Pittsburgh. And you know, looking at what they've got and who they're hosting at home – at certain times in the year, I think it's 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 very realistic, you I, know, to get to that 10. And I, I think that's where they'll be at.
0: I think by week eight, Cleveland is going to be a madhouse. I think all of those egos are going to explode. I don't think Freddie Kitchens is going to know how to deal with it. And it's just, it's going to be a mess. That's what I think is going to happen in Cleveland this year.
1: I, I think everything's fine for a year.
0: You have that year. honeymoon
1: phase. I think you have that honeymoon phase for the year.
0: Let's talk about the NFC North, my beloved Green Bay Packers. Rick, when I look at the bottom of this division, I still think it's Detroit. And I just, I don't understand. Like the Detroit Lions are kind of like the Cleveland Browns of the NFC. Like how can you be so bad for so long and not just like luck into it once? But yeah,
1: again, you know, it's just heartbreak after heartbreak for them. You know, they really can't catch that brick. I don't know, It's because maybe it's because they're so close to each other, they're sharing the same water up here on Lake Erie, that, that you're just having these major issues with these franchises. But I will say, you know, one thing talking about the North as a whole is we've been talking about these other divisions where there is separation between the top or the top one or two and the rest of them. This thing has shown year after year, I don't think there's any team that's, that's particularly very talented, but it is a very competitive division, which leaves the field wide open. If you can get hot, things can click for you. You're going to have a chance.
0: Yeah, I I, I do agree with that, but I still think the lions are the bottom feeders of the NFC North. I've got the Vikings coming in third. I just, I cannot buy Kirk cousins. I do you buy, have you ever bought Kirk cousins? Well, it which Not necessarily.
1: I think what I'm more concerned about in Minnesota is how they, they continually change the direction of the ship there. And it, and they'll begin to find success. You think that, oh, they've got it here. But, and then they'll even make slight adjustments there to throw them off. It, it's really hard to buy into them. But I still think as I'm lining up these rosters, looking at schedules and all that, I still think that they have a great potential to finish ahead of your Packers. I just think the Packers have got so much invested Inside, you know, when they completely, they, when they completely fell apart last year, and they're still so much invested in in, in that quarterback, although he is still remains one of the absolute best in the league. But, but where are those weapons around him? And I'm also concerned more so with the injuries with Rodgers.
0: That's the key, and I, I feel like that was kind of the story of last year, right? I mean, at the very beginning of the season, Rodgers has that leg injury, and he was never right all year. All, all, you know, I it almost would have been better if he would have taken three, four weeks off, let the damn thing heal, and then come back, because what we got was 60% of Aaron Rodgers last season.
1: Well, and, then, you know, last year with so much turmoil, though, Rodgers was already getting heat for the coach's dismissal and kind of the dysfunctional, you know, dysfunctional team movement. It, it might have been a concern unless he absolutely needed that time off that he couldn't, because that was going to put so much more heat on his shoulders. At least then, as the franchise, as the face of, oh, hell, Green Bay itself. I mean, he had to do everything he could to try to carry that team. I just wondered if we eventually get to a point this season where. Something's got to give there, and hopefully it doesn't completely
0: break. Yeah, Matt LaFleur, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how this kid is going to work as a head coach. The problem is he's a kid, and I'm not sure that Aaron Rodgers respects him at all, and that is a formula for disaster and a powder keg waiting to blow. Of course, the other team is the Chicago Bears, who won this damn thing last year. Rick I think the Bears are going to take a step back. I know you got the Packers at second with maybe Minnesota coming up to second. I'm picking the Packers to win this damn division because I think the Bears are going to take a step back. I've never believed in Mitchell Trubisky. I still don't believe in Mitchell Trubisky. And this year they're playing a first-place schedule. I think they're going to become the new Carolina where they're going to be up a year and down a year depending on how their schedule works out, at least as long as they keep going with that core and Mitchell Trubisky is their quarterback.
1: Well, I believe, you know, outside of that, so much emphasis put on this quarterback. I think he's been he's a very functional quarterback. He kept him in games. And they, they're surprised. You know, even against when they were up against some of, you know, the quality teams, you know, they would, they would surprise them. And then he got exposed a couple times as well. Uh, but so it is going to be an up and down. But I go back to how competitive this division is itself, and when I line them up within each other, I still like the bears over everyone else, even despite that they have now been tagged with that first place schedule. I think they have just enough to survive this thing. Uh, and I
0: actually, I think they will probably be the only team representing this division in the playoffs. The bears still suck. Uh, let's talk about Canton, Ohio. Canton got a, uh, a new class in here. Just the other day, Tony Gonzalez, Kevin Mayway, Johnny Robinson, Gil Brandt, champ Bailey, Ty law, and Ed Reed Rick, when I look at this list, there's there's two guys that are absolutely great and there's a couple of guys that I was like, "Really? They're Hall of Famers?" Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, absolutely no-brainers. Didn't even have to think about it. But Champ Bailey and Ty Law? Hall of Famers? Really? Yeah, I I, I, hey, I agree with them going into the hall. I don't think they're of the caliber of a Tony
1: Gonzalez or a Red Reed, Ed Reed but both had tremendous careers and both were game changers in their primes and accomplished so much inside of the NFL. Absolutely believe that they, that they had earned the jackets and it was such a great moment to see all of these people be
0: honored there. I, I think the biggest thing for me, honestly was Tony Gonzalez and Ed Reed were so good That when you put Champ Bailey and Ty Law on the same list, you're just like, well, I I thought you had to be as good as Tony Gonzalez and Ed Reed. You know, those are generation. Well, again, you
1: know, this goes back to it goes it goes back to different criteria. You know. and sometimes, you know, you'll get in because the impactfulness you had in certain situations, or your, your big games, or the moments that the defi- that defines you, or it could have been, you know, just the small things that you did every day in and out. Maybe you had some contributions that helped kind of shape the position. You know, that you played or you were a game changer in that in that sort of way. And I think and that's kind of the, when you're looking at any sort of Hall of Fame, you need to take those into consideration. It, it's really hard to set, you know, that standard criteria when you're when you're trying to measure up these resumes, especially at these different positions at different times, different teams. And, you know, then what success was available to them
0: couple quick notes from the NBA before we wrap things up this week. Draymond Green, four years, $100 million. That's the third max contract that's going to be on the Golden State payroll. Rick, everybody is sleeping on Golden State, but you know what? I'm looking at this team, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green. That's That's the same team that won 73 games.
1: Well, and again, you know, you got with all these movers and shakers and then you just have essentially one team sitting still with what they had. They're not going to be the sexy pick. You know, they're the hot. They're not the hot new commodity. And I think, you know, everybody's over obsessing about the big markets in L.A. and those big franchises there. I- I'm, I'm with you 100 percent. This thing still runs. It runs through California. It's just down the road in Oakland. And that's still where the championship. Li- you know, that's still where the road lies.
0: One thing I thought was interesting inside of this contract, there's what's called a trade kicker, 15% trade kicker. What this means is that if Draymond Green would get paid, that his salary actually goes up 15% of whatever remains on the life of his contract, whether it's three months from now or three years from now. Uh, The Warriors, though, are the ones who actually pay the 15% trade kicker, but the team that acquires him, It actually counts against their salary cap. When we talk about these salary cap rules and why people like Rick and I don't necessarily understand everything, hell, half the NBA general managers don't understand everything, it's because of crazy-ass rules like this. Yeah, so I, I, you know, starting to study this thing, at
1: first you read it, you're like, whoa, how? I mean, it's kind of like mind blowing, like, whoa, whoa, what here? Like, they even allow something like this? But to me, it's, it's pretty genius. I mean, it's like having your cake and eating it too. I mean, if, if you're on the back end, you want to make a move here or you need to, you're not, you still have the capability of, of maintaining the success of your franchise, you're just going to have to eat it personally in your pocket, in the ownership's pocket, instead of through your cap. And as you're dealing them off to a competitor, potentially, as we see so many people want to stay in the West where you can't get someone to the East or something like that, then it's taking a hit on them. So but they're not actually forking out the money. So you got to lay out, you know, your options there to me, I think it's pretty genius, and it's very intriguing that they would even let something like this into, into negotiation.
0: Yeah, it's just crazy. It's like, who the hell came up with that? Klay Thompson also with a 15% trade kicker in his new contract, so it looks like the Warriors aren't going anywhere anytime soon. They've got Steph, Clay, and Draymond all locked up now. Four years with Draymond with an option for a fifth. Uh, Carmelo Anthony on first take the other day. Uh, this quote's kind of making its way around. I felt like the game didn't love me back at this point. Now I love the game too much to let them take it away from me. Rick, Mello is still trying to find his way onto an NBA roster. If the Lakers haven't bit at this point, is anybody going to bite on Mello? I
1: wonder if the case right now with Melo, I mean, because he's going to get top dollar when you come in. Uh, I mean, he's he's linked into the league so deep, and he's had so much great success. He's going to get that big that, that guarantee, not not at the max, but he's going to get that, that guarantee. I wonder if he's someone, you know, he's keeping himself relevant right now, and then mid-season, somebody goes down, you're dealing with injuries, something isn't working, you need to make that move. That's when his phone begins to ring.
0: I would like to see USA Basketball bring Melo in. We, we, we've got all these players that are pulling out of this World Cup. Put Melo on that team. Let Melo go win himself a medal and walk off into the sunset. Well, when you talk about
1: all the great accomplishments, and he gets knocked you know, for certain things inside the league, let's not forget, you know, when it comes to the national team, he is the most decorated player that we've ever had.
0: Exactly. Everybody loves Mello, but nobody wants to play with Mello, you know? Just basically put him on an all star team, let him win another medal, walk away. Uh, Lakers and Clippers gonna kick off the NBA season. They're gonna play again on Christmas. Rick, do you like this move from the NBA?
1: Oh, I think it's absolute genius. You know, with this, you know, manipulate your schedule, you got all, you got all the hype, all the eyes, you know, the, the arguments of who had the better off season, who's, who's got the better odds to make the finals and win a championship. It comes down to these two teams and you're going to get it all going here. I, mean, this is, this is absolute genius. You know what I'd lead in with? I'd have this be my main event. I'd have this as my main event, kickoff show. Hell, let's do it again. Right before that, let's go Pelicans and Knicks. I mean, let's just load up on a tremendous opening night for the NBA.
0: Christmas, they are loading up as they do every other year. The Rockets and Warriors are going to tangle on Christmas. Lakers and Clippers, of course, that's going to be the sexy marquee game. But I want to see this thing, too, because I think this is going to be one hell of a matchup, especially if Klay Thompson is back by then
1: oh yeah, I mean, you go know, Christmas Day, the NBA absolutely owns it and you're looking forward to those games. And it's really, it, it symbolizes that turning point where, okay, the teams are starting to turn it up a little bit and we're starting to understand who's who and how the race is going to play out. And especially now in the West with all these dynamic duos and all the shifts that we've seen, it's going to be very interesting around that time to really see who's clicking, who's sticking, and who are the pretenders are.
0: Wrap things up with a little bit of baseball. Rick, we had the trade deadline. The deadline came and went, and there was a whole lot of nothing going on except for one big deal. The MLB trade deadline is stupid. Well, obviously, you know, everybody makes such a big deal about it because all it does is it's just
1: outright trade that you're dealing with here. As we get into this, like I guess, the second trade season, the transition wire, uh, of trades i mean you could still make moves so that's why you know people that were panicking i know you were a little concerned the yankees weren't making much moves uh, i didn't believe that they really need to it's ride out with the horses you've got you know right now you were concerned i don't even ask you about that last week you were still concerned about pitching they look pretty damn good when they shut down the socks this past weekend
0: yeah you know we we shut down the socks this weekend we sweep four but we we lost torres we lost aaron hicks we lost in CC is, that Tanaka got freaking rocked the other day. I, I don't know, man. As this season goes on further and further, I am getting really worried about the Yankees because that injured reserve list just keeps piling up. The pitchers just keep getting hurt. And now the Astros go out and grab Zach Granky. So you, if you end up playing Houston in the freaking playoffs, seven game series, they've got Verlander, Cole, and Granky. Good freaking luck with that. Well, we've got about, what,
1: 40 games left right around in that ballpark? Roughly. Right around in there. I think you're going to have to – if you're the Yankees, you're going to need some time to rest here. You've got a nice little lead, comfortable lead. It doesn't seem – it's not – I mean, it's not impossible to lose. But you're sitting fine, especially if you're looking, you know, worst case scenario, wild card. Certainly you don't want that. You want to hold on to your division, get the higher seed going in. But like you you laid out there, we're looking at this roster. They're going to need some rest time. And I wonder if you know if that rest time will they lose momentum there or or will it work in their advantage where you rest up and you come back firing and you're those Yankees that everyone expects going into this postseason? I'm still standing by here in ohio this this team that is hot, they're chasing their division and they're going to have that momentum because they're playing with everything. They're playing as if they're, you know, they're about to lose everything. And it's the Cleveland Indians. Also, as you lay out there, the Astros making moves that they went ahead and approved, especially, especially in these series situations when it comes down to you know, just that masterful pitching. I mean, they're going to be tough to beat.
0: God damn. When I look at that three headed monster down there in Houston, Verlander, Granky, and Cole, however, they want to lay that thing out in a seven game series. Good freaking luck, man. I, I know the Yankees got the bats, but when you go up against pitching like that in October, it's going to be really, really hard.
1: Well, I mean, you're looking at with the scheduling of this thing, I mean, you could face all three just in a four-game series. I mean, they could have somebody go over twice if needed.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely freaking lutely And you know it's going to be fucking Verlander because that dude will pitch on three days rest. And, that and he's been there and done it. Yeah, but he's, and he's proved it. One last thing as we wrap this thing up, Rick, we got to talk about this fight. My God, the Pirates and the Reds, your, your your hometown boys there, the Cincinnati Reds, they might not be winning games, but I tell you what, I, I don't even know what that pitcher's name was, but he's got some cojones. He was ready to fight that whole damn team. But he was over there. He was the first one on the scene
1: throwing haymakers. Let's get down to something here. Everyone's thinking this might have been a spur of the moment thing. This thing has been brewing all season long, going back to earlier season, you know, April May. Pittsburgh has been throwing at the Reds, and it's been it's been kind of back and forth throughout the year. And it just came to a head here. And as it is usual, those coward rats from Pittsburgh got what they had coming to them, and that was an absolute ass kicking. And it it made it made all the news outlets. It just wasn't I mean, we've seen it uh, probably a hundred times down in southern Ohio, but you had it's just not ESPN picking up. I'm talking I saw this thing on Fox News, I saw this on MSN. I mean this was everywhere. This was this was some and some fun
0: stuff. Anytime you see anyone from Pittsburgh get their ass beat, it's a good time. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. To top that right there. That's going to be the end of this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find us over at hittingthemarks.com for the entire HTM podcast network. Find Huckleberry and i Mondays in the locker room. HackerHameen.podbean.com as we break down all the world of professional wrestling. And of course, right here on the flagship, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're going to be dropping this Friday. Yeah, whole new episode. We've got like 18,000 shows to preview coming into SummerSlam weekend. Rick, are you all rested up? You looking forward to the weekend?
1: Well, we've got, we've got a lot to go over, but I got better news. Hey, the power just came on. So I'm going to get ready for uh, the, the go home here. Smackdown Live will be over on Facebook and the homie meeting Discussion Group chatting it up. As the show's going on, and we're going to find out, you know, we got to we said, you, you got this magnificent build of SummerSlam, right? Oh, yeah, it was just, it's going to happen in five hours, so we're going to see what they
0: got in store for us. We'll talk to you Friday on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya!